I love it. I love this. He says he's got a beauty waiting for him at home. Like he talks about Brienne in the way that a soldier talks about the girl back home. Oh man, when he started saying this, I was like, "You are toast, son. You are toast." Let us go into the frozen north, further than anybody could ever go. Who knows if we will survive? Gendry, nip back to the shops for me, would you? I forgot my cigarettes. <laughs> the plan was part one, steal white. Part two, convince Cersei to fight with us. Part three, success. Dot, dot, dot. Profit. Profit. This is one of the moments where I mentioned last week and I was going, if this is what they're really doing, I am so angry about this. Hello and welcome to Shark Liver Oil. I'm Matt. I'm Dave, hello. It's beyond the wall. We're going beyond the wall. Episode (laughs) six. It is literally beyond the wall. (laughs) I was was really excited about this episode. So I I sat down last night to watch it and was just rubbing my hands together. And the the titles come up and you see Eastwatch come up. And then we start with the sort of a camera panning along the table at Dragonstone as it goes up towards the wall, almost like another little mini-map, and then it fades, it turns into sort of the landscape beyond the wall as our seven plucky heroes, plus some extra cannon fodder, go out (laughs) into the depths. (laughs) I need you to refer to them as that the whole time through here, please. That's what I need. I was was trying to decide whether to call them the cannon fodder or the red shirts. Which one do you prefer? (laughs) (laughs) Um, let's, Let's call them the red shirts. The red shirts, okay. Right. Yeah. Yeah, because so, no they cannon, completely are. Yeah. Um, so, on we go. So, this is... Um, it, so, we've got these... So to set the scene, we've got these seven guys plus plus red shirts on the way out to try and... They, they want to... In the strangest plan in seven seasons of Game of Thrones, they want to capture a white and bring it back. Um, so, they're walking out on foot. Um, <laughs> seems that... I mean, it turns out that they know more than I do because there is the there are these there are these little detachments of um, like white walkers with a few whites knocking about, and they can catch one that way and maybe sneak away. But yeah, it just seems they've not exactly established that in the plot to this point, have they? No, it does play it, a bit more like oh oh what luck they do move in platoons, you know? <laughs> yeah, um, so. The, the the start the first bit of this um of, of beyond the wall we just have them the the guys are making the the teams making the way towards where they think the walk, white walkers are going to be and we get some nice conversations between the various members struck me a bit like um do you know saving private ryan or any other kind of thing where you get a team together and then the first <laughs> yeah. few scenes they're all just walking around getting to know each other a bit yeah um, yeah so uh, Gendry's having a talk with Tom, and Tormund's winding him up a bit about being north of the wall. Um, <laughs> Tormund, good value all day long. I would watch the yeah. Tormund show, to be honest with you. They did a spin-off <laughs> of this, which was just Tormund walking around the north, you know, reminiscing about how much he loves Brienne of Tarth. I would be on board with that. <laughs> it would be great. You really do get the feeling as well. I like how they established very early that Gendry's the one who's a bit green here. You know, all the others <laughs> have had a lot of experience. I think I saw yeah. I, I saw a picture on online, which is great. It's sort of like someone predicting who was like we did, like who was going to survive, and um, it showed them all walking off into the distance. And it was like a um, 
an RPG, like a fantasy role-playing game. And it's like above all the heads, there was like above the hound, it was like warrior level 70. Above um, Thoris, it was priest level 70. Above Beric, it was lord level 70. And then they're all level 70, apart from Gendry, which was warrior level 2. <laughs> he's the liability. <laughs> it's totally true. He's the, he's the, but that's this is why it's kind of a sad thing that they brought back in Gendry for this, even though I like Gendry, because he doesn't look terribly fresh-faced. In fact, I think the actor is a bit older than Jon Snow whereas mm. what you want is that classic Vietnam war movie you know <laughs> Michael J Fox in casualties of war fresh faced kid of like you know I just well, you know like the the guy that Sarge has to constantly talk down from wetting himself every time they walk through a new new patch of uh, jungle or something that's yeah. what I want I don't yeah. need Gendry looking grizzled in his early 30s yeah, I wanted Gendry to stick around for towards the end where they surrounded, and I wanted him to be going, "Game over, man! Game over!" <laughs> yeah, that's exactly <laughs> it, isn't it? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So, so yeah, Gendry's a bit greedy. We establish. Um, Tormund goes has a chat with John, and um, they talk about you know the uh, how Daenerys has asked John to bend the knee. And Tormund sort of laughs and says, "You spent so much time with the free folk. You don't like kneeling anymore." Yeah, um, and then, and then, then goes on to say, "You know, effectively say that maybe Mance Raider was wrong." Says, "You know, how many people died because he wouldn't yeah. bend the knee?" Um, and that's, that's, an, that's interesting, a, isn't it? Yeah, it's a remarkable thing for someone like Tormund, a wildling, to say to John. Yeah, but um, it's a great example of how hanging out with each other means that our worldviews change what we see of each other and see in the world and see of ourselves you know john Hmm. has hung out with the wildlings for long enough that he's like no i don't kneel even though you know there's a thousand year history of people in his position being hard as nails and willing to to kind of kowtow to a queen and in much the same way you know at the start of this torment's whole thing was to be like yeah we don't kneel you soft wankers um Hmm. But he's be, kind of become infected with this this whole the sort of moral relativism of you know of of well dealing with the complexity of things rather than just being all of you fuckers to the south who I've never met are bastards and therefore we don't do mm. what you do you kneel we don't that's who we are it's a really interesting example of how like sharing a space together living together involves coming to understand the merits of each other's position far far more and I really liked that as a little thing, if, if only because actually it's interestingly paralleled in the transition of the actual people of Scandinavia from Vikings who would land up places and leave beaches literally awash with blood, you know, mm. to being, you know, kind of forward-looking uh, social democratic paradises where, you know, everybody gets a chance to integrate properly and you get free language lessons in Sweden if you emigrate there and, you know, and so on. Like, it's mm. great. And... um uh, and, and I quite liked that, that whole thing about living together, changing how we respond to one another, because I think it's really true mm. and really good and far more brain fodder, Matt, in that conversation than I was going to get for the next hour. <laughs> um, you get uh, Beric and Thoros and, uh, and the Hound, like the, the, the remains of the Brotherhood, talking with Gendry, saying, you know, sorry, mate, you know, no hard feelings. And Gendry's like, you sold me, blah, blah, blah. Yeah, yeah. And, and, and the, hound, the hound just shuts him down. He's like, well, you didn't get killed. You're still here. Stop moaning. And then he points to Beric and he's like, this guy's died six times. You don't see him moaning about it. <laughs> I saw that was really good. <laughs> That's true. Although I, I'm with Gendry on that one. I think Gendry has a proper call there. Other, other characters in this series have hauled off 
far less serious slights than that and stabbed everybody <laughs> within stabbing range. And the hound's approach to this is to be like, oh, get over it. I mean, the hound is the least the least sympathetic character in the whole of Westeros, not a place drowning in the milk of human kindness. So, yeah. you know, the, the hound was always definitely going to do that. Mm. But... I do sort of like, I'm with Gendry on that one. I, I would not go through the wall with these fuckers if you paid me a million. <laughs> um, John and Jorah have a talk as well about the um, the sword, Longclaw, that um, that John has, the Valyrian steel sword. And Jorah basically says, you know, I gave it up because I disgraced my family, so keep it and pass it on to your kids. I think that's like the first time John's thought, actually, yeah, I might actually be able to have kids. I'm not sure he can if he's a corpse, but anyway. Uh, <laughs> I mean, it depends which bits got resurrected and which Quickly bits enough. didn't. <laughs> yeah. Um, I also thought this, where Jorah refuses the Valyrian steel sword, I, I just immediately thought, oh, this is his death sentence. He's going to come face to face with a White Walker at some point in this episode, and because he doesn't have a Valyrian steel sword, he's going to get killed. Yeah. Um, and I was wrong, ha- happily. <laughs> but that was like I immediately yeah. thought, oh, that's it. He's toast. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. Totally. We then come away from the wall for a bit to uh, spend some time with Arya and Sansa. This happens a couple of times, and certainly in the second watch through. Um, I was like, I was almost reaching for the fast forward button in these bits, but you, you know, we can talk about it. Um, so Aya and Sansa, there's a really nice um, bit at the start where Aya recounts this story about how she was um, practicing with a like an, a, a bow and arrow she'd found that Brand left out in the yard on her own, and um, her dad ended up watching her and uh, clapping when she finally hit the target. Yeah, and yeah. she says this quite nice line where she says, you know, I realised that I wasn't wrong. It was the rules that were wrong. Um, yeah. It's quite good. Um, yeah, a, a really, really beautiful moment. And I think we can all agree that this would have been a more enjoyable TV series to spend time in if Ned Stark hadn't died. But, <laughs> but that was the point of the thing, so fine. Yeah. And then she goes on to accuse Sansa. She, she basically reveals this letter that she found last week and says, you, um, you betrayed us. And when Sansa says, I was in an impossible position, blah, 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 it basically turns into this argument between pragmatism and honour, isn't it? And I is very much down the line of Ned. Although Ned, by the end, was going to confess to something he didn't do to save his kids. Um, Yeah. And and Sansa saying, you know, the reason that we're in Winterfell now is because I've survived and then I managed to, um, you know, basically win the battle uh, last season. Yeah. Uh, and and she says she also says to Aya, you never would have survived what I survived. And yeah. I kind of agree with Sansa. I don't think Aya would have done. I think she'd have got herself killed. I agree with that. Um, Although I think that's I think that's so, so so Sansa's about, great strength yeah. is the survivor. Yeah, totally. Sorry, yeah. yeah, but which is not about toughness so much as it is about rolling with the right punches in a sense. Yeah, and, yeah. And, and, and running away at the right points quite reasonably from uh, very, very fucked up situations. Um, but yeah, I think you're right. Arya wouldn't have survived that. But Arya, you know, wouldn't have needed to. She would have stabbed Cersei Lannister in the hand rather than become her cat's paw in the first. She is right on that. Arya is absolutely right on that. Hmm. But um, anyway, yeah. Yeah, to be honest, I think you, if you swap these roles, if um, Sansa's the one who somehow ends up getting out of King's Landing and I is the one who's a prisoner, they both die in season two, don't they? 
because mm. neither of them, yeah. neither of their characters are set up to survive in those environments. Yeah. Um, yeah. But it doesn't really feel like that, especially Arya is seeing that as I think she is very there's a right there's there's a right and a wrong now and she is the right way to do things and Sansa is the wrong way rather than saying you know each each type of person has a different thing that they can bring Arya ends up making this threat basically saying don't don't betray Jon or else there'll be trouble and then leaves she does this a few times through the episode and um (sighs) yeah I'd say it's a lesson in effect but yeah 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 I mean that's true um yeah I just I I mean, if there's one thing that, that Arya's long walk in Westeros and Essos didn't do is teach her sort of um, subtlety and pluralism. You know, it didn't teach her to be tolerant of other <laughs> worldviews. It taught her to use them for her own purposes and then kill those who help them, uh, mm. or, or vice versa. Um, so, yeah, like, it, this storyline, I still can't decide, like I was saying last time, I can't decide whether it's realistic or just frustrating. It's mm. definitely trending frustrating right now. Like, the, <laughs> the interaction between these two just feels like you need to have some tension at Westeros at this point in the story. And they're mm. both still acting like absolute children. Mm. Again, that might be realistic. That might be just what, you know, like, you know, I think, you know, when you when you're in places even no matter how old you are i think interacting with your siblings or with friends you've had since you were very very young you do sort of regress a little bit to a certain extent Mm. um and that's that is true but they are not regressing to a certain extent they are absolutely regressing to the day after they last saw each other and in the in that meantime aria has become literally or an almost supernaturally powerful assassin and and Sansa has become queen twice and then queen in the north like just i just don't understand how i don't understand how these two characters are so consistently failing to apply any of the wisdom that they've learned at any other point to their mm. present situation we then go back up to uh beyond the wall and Tormund Tormund and the hound have this encounter where uh <laughs> The Hound basically tries to insult Tormund, and Tormund's quite good at not being insulted. Uh, <laughs> so uh, he says, you know, oh, do you, do you hate wildlings? And uh, the Hound says, no, I hate gingers. And Tormund's like, gingers are beautiful. They're kissed by fire. <laughs> <laughs> I have no idea what uh, Weiss and Benioff actually look like in life, but I bet you one of them is ginger and was ginger at school. <laughs> and you know what? Fair play. If you've been through uh, that proving ground... Fair play to you. <laughs> I'm pretty sure they're not, unless they dye their hair. They, they, I don't think they. Oh, I think one of them shaves his hair, so maybe. But I think they maybe, both dark maybe, hair. Maybe secret ginger, secret ginger. <laughs> I think they're both brown of hair. Um, <laughs> <laughs> the uh, he also uh, the hound because Tormund keeps being nice to him. He says, "Oh, do you want to do you want to suck my dick?" And he basically teaches the word "dick" to uh, to Tormund, who's never heard this as a description of a uh, of your cock before, and he's like. I like it, <laughs> and then goes on to say, he's got. Um, I love it. I love this. He says he's got a beauty waiting for him at home. Like he talks about his his wife. Yeah. Like he talks about Brienne in the way that a soldier talks about the girl yeah. back home. <laughs> oh man, Matt. When he started saying this, I was like, "You are toast, son. You are toast. Yeah. You are literally doing the. Let me show you a photo of the boat that me and my wife just bought three days before retirement." And I yeah. couldn't believe they were doing it. And at that point. <laughs> 
This is one of the moments where I mentioned last week where I was, I was, and again, I was watching this episode going, if this is what they're really doing, I am so angry about this. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I thought then again, again yeah, I was, because Tolman was the one that I was a bit 50-50 on, and this leaned me towards, oh, he's going to die. Um, yeah. We're going to have monstrous babies. Um, and we, we asked, <laughs> the... the, the <laughs> The other conversation we have here is between Beric and John. There's a bit of a sort of these are almost like classic war film tropes, aren't they? The the girl back home talk, the yeah. um, oh you're a bit you're a bit green for this group son talk with Gendry, and then this one, the sort of <laughs> Beric and John, why we fight, what's the meaning? Oh, of, yeah. you know what are we fighting for? I- I did quite like this cat. This actor, I, I love his faithfulness to this role. He's been so underwritten so often. You know, his role yeah. has been to sit at a fireplace, have a beer, and an eye patch, and twinkle and die occasionally. <laughs> and, and and this time, he actually really managed to sell his his worldview and why he does what he does. And I love yeah. that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, it ends with um, they get to this mountain that's shaped like an arrowhead that the hound saw in the fire. And he says, you know, we're getting close. Um, this, interestingly, I saw online, is um, this arrowhead mountain is also in shot when the, you know, that flashback where the children are making the White Walkers. Um, it's oh. in that shot. So, so this is oh, where they were made. Hmm. Yeah, and, 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 and given what happens later, it seems that that is surprisingly close to the wall. Yeah. Because... There's a lot of back and there's a lot more back and forth than you would expect from a storyline which has established itself as a let us go into the frozen north further than anybody could ever go. Who knows if we will survive? Who knows? Gendry, nip back to the shops for me, would you? I forgot my cigarettes. <laughs> yeah, Gendry running was brilliant, but we we'll get to oh, it. <laughs> glorious, wasn't it? Yeah, I'm sorry, I jumped the gun there, but that really did wind me up. So, so uh, that's interesting. I hadn't realised that. So, given that. Given that this is like the origin point for the White Walkers, um, where did they did they did they sort of where did they go? Why haven't they already got to the wall? You know, winter is coming. It's coming further south. It's coming further south. If it's a block and a half away, what did they decide earlier on? They were they head north to get the real cold. You know, got to got to head up where it's colder for a nice holiday before we head down south. Why is that? Yeah, it, it does. Um, it does seem that they, that they did do that. The White Walkers, if they were created there, they must have gone north for whatever reason, and then made their way south again, um, sort of centuries, millennia later. Yeah, but yeah. So, m- m- mean, maybe we'll find out why, um, or maybe it'll well, just be a plot hole. <laughs> I, am, I, well, I mean, yeah, and you wouldn't be blown away to discover that it's just a plot hole. But I would be interested in that because they they kind of have been like, if the whole idea is they've been travelling this far. They've, the only reason they haven't come south yet is that they've been trying to make up the ground. I'm I'm not sure I buy that. Like, mm. so I kind of wonder what this is like. It, like, what they actually do when they're not being the threatening, faceless, silent nemesis characters. Like, mm. is this just what they do for their holidays? Is it like, come on, winter is coming. Let's go down. You know, lads on tour. Here we go, <laughs> heading south. And <laughs> you're like, you know, do they have a whole society going on up north where it's like, you know. You know, the, the, the social stratification where the guys who haven't got any flesh left are only allowed to hang out with the other guys who haven't got any fresh, flesh left. <laughs> you know, uh, the White Walkers spend their entire time telling the guys who are the only guys who've got hands left to go and get them drinks. Like, what's the yeah. what's what's White Walker society look like, is my question. I suppose it makes sense that they're based fairly close to the wall because um, 
Craster was giving them them babies and they sort of used to yeah. take him to that weird little place to turn him into walkers and that shouldn't if it was really far away the babies just wouldn't survive um yeah. but i don't know it's really hard to it's really hard to sort of speculate on stuff like that because a we don't know if um it's actually a thing or if it's if it's just yeah. a plot hole and b yeah there's so many things it could be um yeah. We then go over to Dragonstone for a little conversation between Tyrion and Daenerys. Whenever Tyrion's on screen or in a chat, it's always it's always good value because it's so, he's so good the actor. Um, <laughs> yeah. So Daenerys goes through. She says, "Oh, um, heroes are overrated. They're always trying to prove themselves. You know, Drogo, Jorah, Dario, Jon, and Tyrion's interested in that choice of characters, considering all the others apart from Jon." Have um have obviously had a thing for it, and he says John is yeah. no different. Um, yeah, I just want to note here that this is this is um, I nearly said George Lucas. There, it's George Martin continuing to take us hmm. in the direction of asking us to sympathise with the George Lucas problem, which is asking us to be happy that two yeah. people who are related are romantically interested in one another, and that. I am not comfortable <laughs> with. I remain firmly on team. Don't marry your fucking aunt, and <laughs> and, and I, I find it. I find that troubling. Yeah, that's that is a concern. Uh, T- D- Daenerys um, asks Tyrion, you know, what's the plan for um, for in King's Landing? What traps are we going to set for them? Because we know they might set some for us. And Tyrion sort of says, you know, we're not going to win through murder through murder and deceit. And I thought this was quite a good response from Daenerys. She says, which wars have been won without murder and deceit? Yeah. Um, good point. Great line, eh? And properly undermines yeah. the whole kind of any pretensions that we may still have had towards the nobility of warfare. You know, yeah. people who've actually fought wars will tell you it is a bastard, horrible experience. And mm. and that and that there's no way around that. And that to pretend otherwise is to show that you haven't experienced it and that you don't know it. Um Mm. Yeah, so so I thought that was a that was a great line. I do sort of love that after his entire experience of being dragged and pulled from pillar to post and shat on from a great height by basically everybody, Tyrion is still the guy in the room making the argument for decency rather than just saying nuke the fuckers, nuke all of them. You have three <laughs> sentient nuclear weapons, take them out. Yeah, sort of love that. Yeah, good news for everybody else in Westeros that he's he's there basically. Um, yeah, he also says you know don't don't rule with fear i know it worked for for other rulers in the past in westeros but it's brittle because everybody hates you so as soon as you know as soon as you show any kind of weakness it'll go um there's also this he brings this breaking the wheel quote back round, which um daenerys said um a few seasons ago and he brings up the subject of succession saying, you know, we need to plan for what happens, you know, in the event of your death. Because <laughs> at the yeah. moment, because, I mean, he's got, a, he's got a fair point here, which is at the moment, if you die, the the whole cause dies with you. You know, the uh, if yeah. you want to expand on it, the, the Dothraki army won't follow anybody else. You know, the Unsullied aren't really loyal to anybody else. If she dies, the whole thing ends. And he wants to yeah. plan a bit more long term. But um, yeah. she's not ready to do that. What did you make of this conversation? Well, I, I almost kind of woke up in the middle of it and realised that we were that it was like they kind of strayed into this really dangerous territory for these two. Where like, because basically what he's saying is, what happens if you die? And she's saying, yeah, you'd like that, wouldn't you? 
which mm. is a really dangerous position to be in, you know, with a monarch talking to their primary advisor. And it is true that he still has, like, that, that Tyrion kind of is what she's saying. You know, he's clearly very sad that his victory involves destroying his siblings. Um, so she actually kind of has a point there. But so does he. Like, even if she wasn't given to sitting on top of their biggest weapon and, <laughs> and going into battle without armor on on top of the thing, like, he's right. Like, you could still fall down the stairs, you know. Choke on a, you know, George Bush nearly died because while well, he was eating a pretzel watching a football game. You yeah. know what I mean? Like, you know, it's very easy to die by mistake, particularly in Westeros. And so his argument is, yeah, we need to work out what happens after this because if we don't, then all we are is like a completely uncontrollable army and three flying super weapons. <laughs> like, yeah, solid argument there. I feel. Yeah, and uh, Daenerys again uh, shows the sort of how tired she's getting with some of the way Tyrion's thinking again she's saying you know in a, in a less of the long term thinking about sort of the philosophy of it all and what we do in years to come let's just win yeah. the war because we haven't we haven't been concentrating enough on that basically because uh, we've mm. not been winning apart from apart from when she didn't take his advice and went and um and set the uh the, the Lannisters on fire um, yeah, but but again, his argument was like was solid there, you know. Like his argument was, it's too dangerous, and it is still too dangerous. Hmm. Like it's just because it's really interesting, like structural weakness to these weapons, where it works only when she's sitting on top of the thing, yeah, <laughs> in the middle of the battle. Now, why they haven't made up some terribly fetching armor for her to wear, I do not know. Yeah, but um, uh, yeah, I just I'm I'm surprised to be honest, like yeah. Yeah. Hold, hold that thought about the armour um, for, for later on. Um, <laughs> I, I will hold many things, Matt, for the discussion we're going to have towards the end of this episode. <laughs> uh, let me go back north of the wall, and um, this is this is a great... Uh, there's a, an attack for... This is the... the um, our group um, have their first encounter with, um, with the undead, I suppose. It's this snow bear... Um, Oh, it's just this bear. That's um, it's like a white bear. White is in W I G H T, like a zombie bear. Uh, they, you see it in the distance, and uh, Gendry says, "Is you know, a bear's supposed to have blue eyes, and that's how you know this thing uh, is what it is." <laughs> there's this. Uh, shall we talk about these red shirts? There's there's this there's red shirt one who's somehow. I mean, he's obviously on point, but. Quite yeah. how he's wandered so far away from everybody else is amazing, <laughs> and yeah. he tries to run back, and then he's the first one to get killed, and then we're into this whole whole fight. There's a collection of these guys who are there just to die. We've mentioned them before, and um, it is kind of funny how ridiculous it is, and it is a trope, but also it feels a bit, a bit sort of. I don't know that that Game of Thrones should be better than this, you know, because they, yeah. they couldn't they couldn't have done any character development with any of these guys at any point yeah. uh, before yeah. this. They didn't even do shots of the face, like, <laughs> yeah. and and I think like to a certain extent, I almost feel like they have contempt for their own newfound rushed approach to storytelling. Right, hmm. at this point, I feel like they're like, you know what we have to do? Somebody has to die. You know what we're going to do? So somebody dies, we're going to have somebody unknown and unattached, and they're going to get horribly savaged by these undead bears. Are we going to show their faces? Fuck you. 
Like, you can almost feel... like, And that's a directorial decision as well, isn't it? And that's really interesting to me, that the director must be really pissed about this as an approach to a storytelling approach, <laughs> and it's just like, no, 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 I'm not doing it. Right, fine, you want me to do it? You want me to literally get all the way around the world in a single episode twice? That That's something that you want to have happen? Sweet, no problem, fine. Establishing <laughs> shots? No, 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 I'm not giving you the fig leaf of narrative cohesion to get you through the fact that you've given me an hour and ten minutes to tell a season's worth of story. Fuck you. Like, you can almost hear him throwing his toys out of the pram, and to be honest with you, I'm with him there. <laughs> um, yeah, I just think it would have been nice to have, you know, even just a little, uh, you know, one of these many bits where everyone's talking to each other, maybe they could say something, or, um, you know, maybe have Tormund with a few of those just talk because I'd imagine these are not supposed to be his sort of hand-picked baddest guys like maybe his sort of best um, most loyal trusted closest followers um, yeah and the thing is like because we know who Thoros is and he obviously um, he dies slightly later in this episode there's a little moment of sadness for that but it feels weird that you have like Beric all upset because Thoros has died and they're close and Tormund's like I assume all these like close friends of his, and he's just sort of shrugging his shoulders because it's like, oh, no one knows who these fuckers are anyway. <laughs> <laughs> That's true, and it and Tormund's kind of development into an interestingly kind of still badass, but actually quite like multi-dimensional character is mm. kind of stalled here because you're right. Like these other dudes are wildlings. We haven't had any other wildlings on screen when they reached Eastwatch. Mm. Like they might as well have been at Eastwatch with like Tormund might as well have been there by himself, rocking backwards and forwards and singing small <laughs> lullabies to himself yeah. for all the all the life that we saw at Eastwatch. And um, and then and same thing. They've sent out these dudes and they get killed without us even seeing their faces. And again, it's all it is is rushed storytelling, which is which is what. Game of Thrones is now, I think. Like it, after this episode, it's rush storytelling. It kind of um <clears throat> it kind of means that whenever you see one of these guys die, all you do is you get the odd quick close up of who they are, and the only sense you get is just kind of relief. It's like, oh shit, who's that? Oh no, it's just some faceless guy, it doesn't matter. That's exactly it. Every time. Yeah. And more than once people were getting killed. And I actually didn't feel like that. I feel like I got I didn't get close ups on their faces. You just get there's always like hair over the face or they've got a collar up or something and they're all dressed the same. Mm. So on a number of occasions here I was like, Have you just killed one of my favourite characters? I'm gonna have to wait until the end of the episode to find out when you need to give me an establishing <laughs> shot of that character. Right. And to be honest with you, given the sweepstake that we did last time on who's gonna survive and who's gonna stay alive, I managed to feel very cheated by this. Mm. Like the scale of what happens and the 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 paucity of people who actually really suffer from it. Mm. Um, I was like, but I don't like. Why are you asking me to care about this if you're going to send people into a completely unsurmountable situation three times and have them escape every single time? You know. Yeah, and I think the the, the sort of nub of this as well is just send them into this situation for what is a very shaky reason. It's quite hard to. As we've said, yeah. the plan's so daft. It's quite hard to to, oh, to, to continue yeah. to to have any inve- in, real investment in it, uh, other than yeah. the, the whole investment in it is just because you like these characters. Um, it's less about oh, and they, you know they're doing something really important because it feels like, it just feels so daft. Yeah. But anyway, yeah. that all that yeah. said, the actual spectacle of this bear attacking this group is is really great to watch. 
Um, but you know, you got you got Beric and Thoros. Their heads back a little bit and just engage with this on a seri- on a spectacle level. Absolutely. Yeah. Um, you see, so you got um, Thoros and Beric. Every time they like light up their swords with flames, is great as well because you've not really seen this before. Um, well, not since the. the um, the Hound and Beric went at it in, I think it was like season three or something. Yeah, um, yeah. The, the bear, yeah, sort of attacks, it was Beric, I think Beric stabs it with the uh, with his sword and sets it on fire. It tries to attack the Hound and the Hound sort of freezes and Thoros yeah. steps between them and he gets sort of savaged by this bear while the Hound's mm. still sort of frozen. Um, yeah. And for all like the other th- weapons that are used against it, the bear's finally killed with this like Jorig like gets it with a dagger, and I think yeah. again again here um, this needed extra setup because yeah. Jorah and later on the Hound um, and maybe some others I'm not sure um, end up like the the using either like the hammer or um, or the swords. And then they switch to these daggers, which I assume are obsidian daggers, a dragon glass, because they're yeah. they're the things that are killing the walkers. But sorry, not the 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 whites. But um, it took me like a couple of watches to get that because they hadn't really established that they got these weapons. We could have yeah. done with sort of a I don't know a scene where they actually got them, um, or yeah. said or you know use these north of the wall, something like that. So yeah. it felt like again you're trying to uh, the storytelling wasn't great. No, absolutely, and they set. And the thing about that is that they set up Dragonglass as a thing that can do that this stuff, in series two, and then in series four, and then the, you know they've given like they built the first half of this series over the fact that John wants to go and get some Dragonglass from mm. um, Dragonstone, and then in the episode where they're going to end up using them, they just have them pulling them out and waving them around. Like, I really begin to feel so. This was like a hour fifteen mm. episode, right? Hour ten, mm. like. This should have been an hour and a half, or just do it over two episodes. You know I what I mean? I think that's like, it. Just... Yeah, do it over two episodes. I've still keep... with with, yeah. ev- with every sort of episode that goes by now, especially in the last few, you kind of get the feeling it's it was just daft to 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 condense it to seven episodes. It feels like yeah. it's straining against the seams, doesn't it? Um, and it feels yeah. like that that straining is happening in the edit. Like I think so. I don't think it was. I don't think it's like a scripting thing. I don't. I don't think they've looked at it and gone, "Yeah, we can do all of that in seven episodes." Hmm. Like I think, and I don't think they've gone and said we can only afford to do seven episodes because it's more successful than it's ever been before. Um, like, and there's, there's clearly going to be money for it. But they've. I think they've shot a lot of this stuff, spent money on it, and then cut it out in order to meet this artificial seven episode thing. Hmm. And. I don't. Again, I, I'm just not seeing the benefit of it because there's all this stuff that's been missed out. Who are mm. the red shirts? Where are their faces? Why doesn't Torment have any of his lads with him? What's happening with the daggers? Oh, is that a dragon glass dagger? Why do I have to watch it three times to work out that that's why the small daggers are working? Also, yeah. there was a mountain made out of this fucking stuff. And <laughs> and yeah, like, so why have you only got daggers? But also, you brought back Gendry with one of the most <laughs> crunching gear changes in the history of narrative TV, right? And who, who is a, a, a smith, a maker of weapons, and you're like, oh, fair, cool, so we're going to have a sequence on Dragonstone where Gendry's like, oh, yeah, let's make some swords out of this. I am supernaturally gifted at making weapons. Hearken to my skill. No, no, no. Turns up, he's the, he's the young, fresh-faced kid who can't really shave yet in the Vietnam movie, and <laughs> um, and, and then he's got to go running back to the wall. And, like... <laughs> we'll get on to the run. <laughs> I was loving yeah, that. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Honestly, though. Honestly, Matt. Like, but... 
I'm just, why have you done this? You've, you've literally wrecked, almost wrecked, really, your sort of narrative structure for several series to bring back a weapons maker who then doesn't make any weapons. The the, the the thing um, with the with the dragon glass daggers as well, and this is where the like the book and the 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 series meld a bit in my head. So I'm not 100 percent sure which was which, but I know definitely in the book the sort of the way that it works is the dragon glass kills um, white walkers like instantly, um, right. and, and and that's how sort of Sam kills that white walker, isn't it? Um, but when you try and use it yeah. against the whites, it's just like any other sort of dagger. And because he tries to right. stab that, that with that that small Paul comes back to um to to kill him as a white, and he tries to stab it with the dragon glass dagger, and it doesn't really do anything. So that confused me a bit as well. I I, yeah. I don't know if it's I, I I think that's probably more book than show. So maybe it's just a difference between the two. But again, that. I, I was just I was just a little confused with how the weapons were working um, with this, but um, yeah. yeah, like I say, the actual spectacle of the bear, brilliant, um, and <laughs> it were left with Thoros on on the ground. It's funny because he's sort of he's he's been he's been out of the show for so long that you kind of you kind of forget how you know who he is, don't you? Um, yeah, and and it, it's when, when we were looking at which one of these guys are going to die, he was pretty much mm. top of the list, wasn't he? Oh um, yeah, yeah. It's up there with Gendry. So um, so yeah, he he, he doesn't die straight away. Um, he's got this terrible wound, and um, Beric cauterizes it with his sword. Again, I mean that's a stretch. <laughs> cauterizes his whole body because he's he's yeah. it's pretty bad. This thing. Um, yeah, but uh, but it just I think it, that just gives us a chance to um, to do a little bit sort of last last conversation with Thoros, which which is coming up in a bit. Um, yeah, we then um, cut out to Littlefinger and Sansa at Winterfell. Um, they're talking about you know how Arya's found this scroll. Littlefinger's like, oh, I have no idea how she got it. Um, yeah, gosh, you do, and um, uh, and and. She- Sansa believes him, honestly, Matt. Like, I just, it, it just, how she can so, having gone last episode from saying, don't trust Littlefinger, he's not to be trusted, he doesn't have our good interests at heart, mm. to being, having an argument with her sister that's knocked her off her axis so much that it's made her regress, like, whatever, five, six, ten years in her behaviour, and driven her back into the arms of this guy who's no less slimily untrustworthy. Mm. So weird, this, Matt. Mm. So weird as a scene, as a whole plot line. Like I don't, I don't get it. Yeah, it's funny because I, th- I think Sansa's just very unsure about him. She, she, on the one hand, she she says things like, "Oh, you can't trust him." I know academically you can't trust him. It's um, you know that that is something that I've you know everybody says and I've come to expect. But on the other hand, she has relied on him in the past and it's worked. Um, so I can see why. You should be conflicted rather than just saying, "I, I completely don't trust a word he says." Um, yeah. Okay. He, he says that the um, you know she, she should be basically she should be comforted by the fact that she's got Brienda who won't let either sister harm the other. Um, which is interesting in the, in the context of what happens slightly later on. But we'll probably talk about that when we get to it. We will. I didn't really understand the like. Because that was so clearly Sansa willingly walking down the garden path she was being led up by Littlefinger, right? Mm. 
Like you, you could almost see her. She knew that she was doing it, but like, but why? Like, why is that significant? Are you saying that you've got this badass warrior whose job it is to keep you both safe, and you're going to turn her into a political plaything? Hmm. I, I don't think that's going to work out for you. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like, well, we'll, we'll, um, yeah, we'll, 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 yeah, we'll talk about it when, when she, once she actually makes. So she, yeah, she will do something with with that later on, which is yeah, a bit strange, but we'll. We'll come to it. Mm. Um, next up, yeah, we have this brief um, discussion between Thoros and Jorah. Um, Jorah, it's quite a nice little uh, nod to the book, this, where Jorah talks about how this battle at um, on the Iron Islands during the Greyjoy Rebellion, uh, that Thoros was the first to charge through the um, the breach in the defences with his flaming sword. And Jorah says, you, you know, do you remember much about it? You were really brave. And uh, yeah. Thoris is like, no, I was just, I was just massively drunk. I was a dr- you think Jorah <laughs> says you're the, you were the bravest man that day, and he's like, no, I was just the drunkest. Um, but line, they, this it? this also serves to show just how how injured Thoris is because he he can barely even sort of pull his own flask out of his out of his belts. He's sort of stumbling along with them. Yeah, um, th- this kind of felt like it was setting up. A Thoros comes back as a white at an inopportune moment and kills someone. And I did quite like how they swerved that and sort of subverted the expectation there later on. Yeah, 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 that was good. Um, they then have the, the good fortune to come across a sort of a white, single white walker led white detachment. They've got little mini platoons. Um, of them wandering about, it turns out, which we haven't seen before, but that's, that's that's lucky for us. Yeah, again, how fortunate that they've adopted the tactic that served the American military so well in Vietnam. Yeah, just send them out in small groups to walk around so that they can easily be picked off in a guerrilla warfare style. And we haven't, and we, I, we, I mean, we spoke about this earlier as well, didn't we? Like, what have they been doing? Like, I now have a lot of questions about the approach to warfare being adopted by these zombie whites, hmm. like. Doing laps, training. I don't know, but I've been told standing <laughs> on the wall is mighty cold. Like, what are they doing? Like, how does it? How does it work? I, I, and, I and had like, a I had an interesting theory about that <clears throat> from from uh, yeah. from someone else who said maybe what they're doing is literally killing anyone north of the wall first. The the their pla- the, what they want to do is kill everybody, and yeah. um. <clears throat> The reason they're taking the sweet time getting to the wall is they're literally combing the north, the north of the wall, to to make sure everybody's dead, and then they go south. And it's almost like this sort of, um, I don't know, um, slow moving, um, carefully plotted wheel that 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 they, you know, um, that's that's how they're working, if you like. Which could, that, that which could be an explanation because yeah, there is. Um, there is a, again a, a time problem here. If you're saying that the the whites and the white walkers are going straight for the wall and they're still not there, there's also yeah. there's also an interesting thing that I saw. Um, Joanne Bran uh, went in the sort of with the crows and yeah, um, did, did his little spy mission last week. Um, yeah. The Night's King. If you if you look at it, <clears throat> if you look at the uh, the shots shot the uh, shot by shot comparison to where the Night's King was then when Bran saw him yeah. and yeah. where the, the seven guys end up on this frozen lake. The Night's King's sitting on that frozen lake 
So it feels like, he, so I think that's supposed to give us the impression he's been waiting there for something, which suggests that's maybe he's set this up as an ambush. Yeah, well, so I, 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 I can kind of buy that because there is this whole thing about like the Night's King touched Bran in a dream or not in a dream, like it was real, it wasn't real type. Mm. The, like there's this apparent weird link between them. Um, which we said before might be the reason that the wall falls down. And I am a little bit pissed that that hasn't happened at this, isn't <laughs> going to happen at the end of this series. Like, I'd like that far more. But um, but yeah, so I can see how he might want to spring a trap seeing what Bran can see, mm. like, like knowing that people are going north of the wall. But... Um, I don't know. Like, I just, I think the problem is that they're they're having to transition the White Walkers now from being myth into being like, like storytelling device, where like you kind of have to flesh it out a bit more mm. to being like they're a proper antagonist at this point, and yeah. antagonists act a certain way and have reasons for the way that they act, and we don't get that. We can't ever get that because they don't speak. So yeah. like, like that. In fact, I had some really weird moments this season, uh, this episode. Like, whenever there was, like, a moment with a White Walker kind of walking somewhere, or the bit where the White Walker sort of walks through the flames at one point. Mm. Uh, also, what's that about? Um, but, um, like, you could kind of say was a close-up on what were clearly human feet. And, you know, somebody moving like a fully fleshed-out human being. Mm. And I was like, oh, yeah, so now they're real. Like, previously, they've just been kind of, you know, faceless, abstracted images of terror. And now they are. Now they're real, hmm. and um, and that makes that means you have to flesh them out slightly more, and these these problems and these plot holes kind of come to light in a way which I think they really need to address. We need to know what's going on with these enemies mm. because to this point in, in a Game of Thrones, that's what they've done with everybody. You've understood where the Lannisters were coming from and you've understood why the Tyrells were going to go a certain way and you've understood what the Starks were thinking and all of that. And they worked really hard at making sure that there's not protagonists and antagonists as such mm. or that your protagonists fight each other. But you don't have that anymore. So is it just going to be this shallow to the end? Because if, if so, I think they've they've undermined themselves. Yeah, it, it is strange how, yeah, they, they were... There is a mystery to the to what the White Walkers are and what they want still, and that's been the case for a lot of seasons for, for all the past seasons. But yeah, now we're getting towards the end, the plot's starting to creak under the weight of that continued mystery, isn't it? We, we need to know a bit more, especially if, as you say, like all the other factions in this um, in this story, if they're going to have some kind of motivation that we understand as well, then we yeah we're going to mm. need to know it fairly soon because it is a bit. It is a bit unusual. So it does feel strange in the context of the rest of the show to have an enemy that's just so black and white, it's just so clearly evil yeah. um, compared yeah. to all the others, which were there was always sort of depth and, and sort of shades of grey to to to, to, yeah. to 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 who's you know who's the bad guy is, if you like. Um, yeah. But yeah, so so the Night King, if if he has set this ambush up, then maybe that explains why there are these little detachments wandering around to, to sort of bait in the, um, the 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 guys here, the heroes. But the uh, the heroes, I assume, set their own ambush with this little fire. So the um, the White Walker and the and his little group stop, check out this fire, and then they they spring this surprise ambush. The um, the yeah. team and John goes. I like how they've sort of obviously they've thought about it so that John goes straight for the um, White Walker with his Valyrian steel sword, and the others just mm. just attack the Whites as soon as the. Yeah. 
John as a um, kills the the White Walker in a really sort of like flashy move as well. So I quite enjoyed that. The um, a load of the other whites just suddenly disintegrate, apart from yeah. like just one who's left, um, which is another interesting development because we didn't know this, but you kill a White Walker and it appears through the, the, all the whites that he's turned disintegrate as well. Yeah. So, Which um, is like, I mean, that's an interesting piece of kind of undead bookkeeping. <laughs> yeah, um, you know, you know, like buy one get five million free, <laughs> um, and it does also explain why all the, all the White Walkers they look they hang about at the back of the fights, and I'll say that now that we know this, they they look like they are they're styling it out far more than they're justified in doing because they're standing at the back as though well obviously I'm the Knights King why mm. would I fight down with the undead plebs. <laughs> Why would I? I'm up here. Um, whereas actually what he's thinking is, don't let them get too close to me. Don't let them get too close to me. If one of them touches me with any one of the three different weapons they have that can definitely kill me for supernatural reasons, I will turn into dust. So don't <laughs> let them get near me. <laughs> yeah. And yeah, we've seen how many um, whites the uh, the Night King has, has raised as well. It, just after Hard Home, like, most of those guys who got up again... Yeah. were raised by him so I assume if you, if you if you take him down you're going to take out a large portion of the army may, that may be that like Beric says a, a, a later on in the episode maybe that is going to be the key you've got to kill him and you know yeah. everything will be great I mean and and that's what they're setting up isn't it really I, I, although again it does it does raise an interestingly kind of administrative problem for me like the idea of because Hardhome was a fucking bloodbath right yeah it was total shambles, and and also the un, the the whatever they are the the undead the non white walkers the whites, um they just tear people to shreds, mm. so you don't really see them kind of with an awareness of the need to preserve this vital military materiel mm. of these you know these people that they're killing need to be left broadly intact so that they can fight people they're properly doing a sort of day of the dead ripping them limb from limb mm. on them. And you can almost imagine at the end of the at the end of Hard Home, like the White Walkers running around like flustered nursery school teachers, going, "Don't, don't, don't kill him! Don't tear him <laughs> up! I've got to touch him on the face and do the thing with the eyes, and then he'll be one of your mates." So just don't, don't be nice. You there, stop it! Don't, no, no, stop it! And having to treat all of these zombies like poorly behaved three year olds. <laughs> it's just a great idea. <laughs> at least leave his arms on. We need. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> He's literally got an arm off. He's useless to me. <laughs> so um, the yeah, so the White Walker is killed, and almost all the whites that he's turned disintegrate around him. Um, it turns out there's been one white who sort of has just snuck in with the rest of the group who belongs to someone else because <laughs> he's still around. <laughs> so all his mates disappear. He just sort of stands and goes, <laughs> 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 yeah. And I like it. I like how uh, Tormund just chins him. <laughs> Into the ground. <laughs> Classic. <laughs> it is Tormund, as I say, Tormund is doing my heart more and more good the further through this narrative we go. And just like, yes, Tormund, yes, take him out. Big swinging punch, that's what I want. Yeah. This thing starts to scream then, and um the hound tries to cover its mouth up and um his sort of his hand slides across it and pulls away all the flesh from its face, which is oh, which is disgusting. Um, yeah. But anyway, yeah, he gets oh, the horrible, this it? this thing gets the call out. So um, the the rest of the that this massive uh, undead army um, starts start running to the to the rescue, if you like, and chase the uh, the, the the seven plus red shirts. 
uh, this, <laughs> this is the point where um, they send Gendry away and uh, <laughs> send him a Gendry championship sprinter um, <laughs> off to the, uh, he says, like, run back to the wall. So Gendry runs yeah. away. He has to leave his hammer as well, which I quite liked. I think there's um, there's something in the books where this happens, but I can't remember exactly which part it is, where someone has to leave um, the the weapon so they can travel more quickly. This actually um, reminded me of when I went paintballing and there was a ca- <laughs> seriously there was we did a, a capture the flag what thing and um right. I was in this really big like group I didn't really know very many people and uh the the guy who was leading it he picks he picks out this like one of the younger lads and says you know you know I think he said who's the fastest and like this lad put his hand up he went right okay give me your gun and the guy was like what he went give me your gun he took it off him he said because you'll be faster without it run to run and you just run and grab the flag and the rest of us will protect you and I was like oh I'm glad I'm not him (laughs) oh man yeah you might as well you might as well just fade up the barber's adagio for strings now while he dies with his hands flung up in the air flung backwards deary me that's i bet did it work because if not Um, that is an awkward post paintball situation isn't it you know you you know it did actually work yeah but i was thinking if i was that guy i'd have said well okay but if i get shot this is on the understanding that you do this next. Because... <laughs> That's absolutely what should have happened. Right, yeah. no, tell you what, tell you what, I'll go first time, you go next time, and if it doesn't work, you're doing it bollock naked. Yeah. Anyway, so so Gendry sets off running. I kind of found the way he was running quite funny as well. I don't know if it was just the... I, I think part, part of it was the fact that because um, so, much, so much sort of fun's been posted at the fact he was rowing for so long... I just yeah. sort of thought, oh, we're going to get like three seasons of him just running, <laughs> just uh, just like for the rest of the for the rest every other episode, he's just like a, a small point of every other episode for the next seven or eight or however many left before the end yeah. of the series. It just cuts yeah. to him just continue, continuing to run. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and and to be honest with you, that while preposterous would have been more reasonable to me than what actually happens. Where he gets which, back, well. Not only that, he gets back, nearly dead, obviously staggers. He's earned a bit of a dramatic arrival scene. Mm. That's nice. But then gasps a single sentence and then manages to get the Queen up to the wall in a heartbeat. Like, like the moment he started running and they'd mm. set up the fact that they were, that, that these guys were totally fucked. Like, mm. they're spending the night in the middle of a rapidly refreezing lake type mm. thing, right? Yeah. Um, so, like, you've got a maximum of, like, 6, 12 hours. By the way, I was watching this with my Canadian wife, who knows a thing or two about ice and how it freezes. Mm. And she was like, what? None of them wearing hats. The ice would have refrozen in three seconds flat. Either that or this is not a cold environment. Get it together. And I'd be really <laughs> interested to know if there are more Canadians watching this going, pfft. Well, it's interesting because you know there's, I mean? there's a long Reddit thread about this, which um, makes the claim uh, that the uh, it would take around four nights for that uh, amount of body of water to freeze over again. Bollocks! Um, and and that 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 sort of ties in with exactly how long it would take for the realistically the the raven to get to here and this to get to here, but. Even so, I don't see 
how this was clearly told of that they'd spent four nights out there and also I don't see how they survived four nights out there either but anyway yeah. that's um, yeah, yeah I think I mean, that's no some food of the only, only Thoris's rapidly ashifying corpse to keep them warm like yeah. Yeah. Like no, no, like no chance, and 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 Gendry's sprint as part of that meant that I was I wasn't engaged in the stakes of that run because I was like, well, they're either a lot further, they're a lot less far north than I thought they were, hmm. which turned out to be the case, or the makers of this TV series do not give a single solitary shit about timelines, and I think we've established hmm. at this point that it's option two, the the timeline is shot and nobody cares. Yeah, I think the whole Raven thing would have made. Would have probably, I think, would have got. I think this would have got around this, and everyone would have looked less stupid as well. Um, if John and Daenerys had had again, probably because they hadn't had the, didn't have the time to put it in, had a conversation where John says, "Look, it's it's um, it's too dangerous for you to come up here." But <laughs> yeah. if if we get, you know, because the, the the whole problem with the plan is they've no real. The, the chances are, if you if you were going to say right, we're going to need to get in, get out, and steal a, a white, then the next thing you think surely is the chances are we're going to have to get away quickly. You know, it'd yeah. be nice if we can get in and then sneak out slowly with it without anybody knowing. But the chances are, at some point, everyone's going yeah. to get wind that we're, that yeah. we're there, so we're going to need to get away quickly. So yeah. surely you have a getaway plan. And they yeah. just don't. They just rely on luck. But if they'd have said, if they've had a conversation saying, we'll go and get it, we'll try and sneak out, but if we get in trouble, can you be at the wall ready to come get us? Then yeah. then there you go, because then Gendry runs back to the wall. It's just about, the timeline just about works that he can sprint back there. She's waiting at the wall ready to go and goes straight over. And I can see that happening in the, over the course of a night. Yeah. Um, and everybody seems a lot less dense as well. Um, yeah. So, yeah, it just it just seems some of these things seem to be sort of, seem needlessly like plot holy as well, which is a yeah. which is a shame. Well, unless we forget, um, this whole plan, or like we're asked to be really invested in this plan when it rests upon Cersei acting in a reasonable manner. Well, yeah, and which is not going to happen. That. Yeah. Like, yeah. Yeah, like forget it. So at every point, like I'm not, I'm not bought into the peril at the beginning of this plan. I'm certainly not bought into the peril of the in the middle of this plan. Hmm. And so, like all of these moments, this should be an unbelievable set piece. And technically speaking, it is. Like it's a great battle scene. I, hmm. I you know, I, I like, but it doesn't have the same sense of oh shit that the loot train battle had, for example, which we described as the best battle yet in the series, and I think we were right, because it was all of these things that they've spent so long setting up, like, bursting forth on one another, and it was incredible. Yeah. And it was great, and had this brilliant end point. And, and we've discussed why I think that the, the denouement of that end point is bollocks. Um, but it really does seem like after that, they've forgotten how to use all of the plot-building work that they've done mm. to make a single scene matter. Mm. And instead, they're just going right. We got to hit which which plot beat is it now, George? Mm. Right, Arya hates. Really? Mm. All right. I mean, we'll have a walk in and do. It. She's an actress. She'll do it. You know, write the script. But re- why? You know, and like, and there's just and the same with this battle. There's this. You know, all right, cool. Four days to get there and back. <laughs> Great. Maybe. Yeah. Presumably with them eating Kendall mint cake that they've all got stashed away in their boots. You know, yeah. Like, it, it, it feels to me like like it's more one night and let's pretend the timeline doesn't. <laughs> 
doesn't matter because the way Let's it's shot feels this like is it's a supersonic raven and a supersonic dragon. Yeah, the way it's shot feels like it's one night. Um, but yeah, so as the way that they end up trapped on this lake, I think is really great. They 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 sprint it, they, they sprint out onto it and it starts to crack, and then you see this like horde of whites coming through the pass. So they, they've no choice; they've got to run over this frozen lake. Um, yeah. They sprint across it, and it just about holds for the seven plus red shirts of them but the once the whites get on it 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 cracks <laughs> and a load of them go into the water taking down another red shirt as he goes <laughs> he gets caught because he falls over um yeah and yeah. uh and, and the ice breaks all around and i quite like how i thought that was a really clever way of doing it of, of working out a way to to have them trapped but um yeah. Sort of safe for the time being, um, yeah. and sort of waiting it out. I thought that worked well, yeah. and and yeah. also in, you sort of you got you cut to Gendry running, then you cut back to them, and it's sort of dusk, and there's a sort of pan um, across some of their faces, like standing in the twilight, looking out on at the uh, at the whites. And I just thought that was a really nice shot as well. Some of the yeah. some of the actual um, cinematography of it is really beautiful in this um, in this episode. Um, and a couple of good examples of that was was here. The, the same with the bear as well. The bear was really well well created and, and shot. It's true, and they've and you know they, because they've limited their number of episodes, they have had budget to put into these things. And mm. fair play to them. Throughout mm. the series, you know, we are seeing much more high quality production values. Mm. So you know, great. But at the same time. You know, the holes that have been introduced to do that just don't seem to be worth it to me. Hmm. We, we then cut to the, the morning um, and uh, Thoris has died. So uh, yeah. the, the, the hound says, you know, probably one of the better ways to go. I assume, I assume he's talking about sort of dying of exposure rather than savaged by a undead bear. <laughs> I can't imagine that being one of the better ways to go. Um, yeah. Yeah, so they, they have to burn him. So... Um, so Beric uh, uses his again uses his sword to set him on fire, and he um, he says this he says these words again. Um, you know the night is dark and full of terrors, and if that if it used to send a shudder down my spine when Melisandre said it, and it really sort of resonates here as this standing yeah. surrounded by um, the undead. Yeah. I thought that was yeah. that was quite that was a really atmospheric moment. Yes, um, yeah, that's true. Joris, Joris, meanwhile, is looking out over the, the ice, saying, you know, this water's going to freeze again soon. We need to think <laughs> yeah. of something to do. Um, yeah. And he's saying, you know, maybe go, just go for the, the... Him and Beric have a similar suggestion here, which basically is around, a, you know, as soon as, the wa- as soon as it freezes, just do some kind of mad charge at the walkers, at the White Walkers and the Night's King because they're the key. If you can kill them, the others, the sort of the the, the whites will just disintegrate anyway, which yeah. is a desperate plan, but probably the only one they've got, unless, as John says, Daenerys can get there in time. Yeah, well, and, so and unlike them, we, the audience, don't don't even believe in the slim chance of that plan coming off, because unlike them, we have been engaged, we've watched other zombie fiction in which running into the big crowd full of zombies in order to get to the other side is <laughs> never a survival strategy. <laughs> yeah, it never works. 
Um, so, but then go back to Winterfell. Sansa has got this scroll from King's Landing saying she's been summoned to King's Landing and she's going to send Brienne instead. Um, so she's basically doing the opposite of what on the surface Littlefinger was was saying because he was saying, you know, isn't it? You don't worry too much. Brienne will look after you. Um, and yeah. And now she's sending Brienne away. But maybe, yeah. you know, Littlefinger was saying that to put the idea in her head that she can't move against Arya while Brienne's there. Yeah. Or, or the, the, I suppose there are two reasons she could be sending Brienne away for me. One is she's sending her away because she wants to have the opportunity to, to deal with Arya, maybe even kill her if she needs to. And on the other hand, or the other hand, the sort of the nicer version is she's sending Brienne away as a gesture to Arya to say, look, I, I I trust you. I, I'm not even going to have this protection mm, anymore. Interesting. Mm. Um, I hope it's not part of option A. If it's really she's like, oh, you know, the way I can kill my sister after all these years with her away is I can send away the woman that also protects me. <laughs> so it's, it's in no sense a gamble to believe that Arya has somehow survived being away from a royal court environment for 10 years without learning how to be better at fighting than I am. Hmm. Pretty sure I can take her in a fight. Like it, that's both breathtakingly stupid and really frustrating. Which is the which is the phrase I would use to describe this entire storyline, if truth hmm. is told. To be honest, like this whole thing with Arya and Sansa. Like I get that their different experiences have brought them to this point, but it really does feel like they're just picking up from where they left off. And it's yeah, hmm. it's it's not. I'm not buying it. To be honest, hmm. like I'm I'm really not buying it. Um, I think I think it's one of those ones for me. It entirely depends on what we get next week, as to you know. It, I don't think I don't think I know enough about what is going on with this plot to really. I think it'll depend on if the, the, there may be a good reason that we get next week. If not, then this is going to feel again like a weird and a bit of a weird thing to do, and a bit of a misstep. Um, mm. We then yeah. cut, we then cut to Dragonstone and. Um, Daenerys has uh, <laughs> Daenerys has got this badass winter coat that has been created. I like the idea that when you said about armor, she's gone to um, yeah. she's she's gone to her sort of smiths and stuff, and she's gone make me some armor because I was in that I was in that um, I was in that fight at the loot train and it was pretty it's pretty scary. I could have died. Why don't I get some proper armor on? And they've said right, okay. And she's gone back and they've gone. Have you got the armor? No, but check out this. <laughs> awesome coat that we've made and she's just gone <laughs> I'm really angry because I wanted armour but that is an awesome looking coat so yeah thank you <laughs> it is fabulous yes thank you <laughs> I like how she's got a winter collection it's um <laughs> I was willing to I was willing to let that slide just simply because I thought it was just a fantastic costume but um yeah it does seem a bit odd that she's got it um, yeah, it's, and that twice now she's gone into battles, one of which is literally beyond the ken of anything that anybody's experienced yet. Hmm. Both times riding a dragon, and you know she's you know they're her children. She trusts the dragons. That's fine. That's you know that's not necessarily where the danger is, but it's not exactly like they've got handles. Hmm. So like she is hanging on the back to the, uh, onto the back of this living being that can go into a barrel roll without noticing. Yeah, and 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 last last time she you know the, the, in the loot train battle the dragon had to land and she hopped off the back of it and then she was really vulnerable. You know when Jamie yeah. did his mad sort of death or glory charge, um, if he gets a bit of luck, then the war's over. 
Yeah, I mean, exactly. And, and yeah, if you can get killed by happenstance or get almost killed by happenstance once, hmm. why would, when you're going into an even worse battle, why wouldn't you wear armour? Hmm. Unless it's, like, secretly armoured underneath or something. Yeah, possibly. Um, T- Tyrion's very much down with us here in that he's saying, this is dangerous, it's too dangerous. And But he goes so far as to to say, don't go, you know, just give up on him, leave, leave all those guys for dead, which is a remarkably yeah. cold thing to suggest. Um, I, and I, I think that, that might, su- yeah, that might suggest um, also that Tyrion maybe doesn't, still doesn't really fully grasp the nature of the threat north of the wall insofar as, or maybe he just thinks it's a sacrifice worth paying. He doesn't, he's never seen a White Walker, right? Hmm. He's been to the wall and he's heard them all and he's seen that they're all basically kind of quasi delusional kind of um, kind of no, not delusional but like they're a bit nuts. They're not mm. necessarily in any sense kind of rational people if you end mm. up, you know, you're, you're exiled to this really tiny place, the really, really cold place, really, you know, like uh, unreachable place. That does kind of make you a bit crazy, I would say. Um, but then like he hasn't actually seen a walker, so I don't know. Maybe he's just like, you know what? When push comes to shove, this is you know this is a good idea. Just lose it. Just leave it. Let's go. Hmm. Luckily for our heroes, um, Daenerys doesn't listen to Tyrion. She says, "No, I'm going." And um, so the Air Force leaves uh, Dragon's Dragonstone. This is quite cool when the dragons are taking off and like you pan up from Tyrion watching them fly off, um, and you're like, "Oh yes, yeah, yeah, that was great. it's on now." <laughs> Um, oh yeah! Me- meanwhile, the hound's bored, so he's throwing stones at the uh, <laughs> at what the white. I, I love it. <laughs> how is this a good idea? Honestly, <laughs> I love how he hits one in the jaw, and it just shatters his jaw, and it just sort of looks back at him, and it finally, first, first, it was looking at him, going, "Oh, really? What did you do that for?" <laughs> <laughs> He's like, you know what? You know what? Zombies are people too, yeah? Yeah, I didn't ask to be here. I'm just a guy doing a job, and now I don't have a jaw anymore. <laughs> um, so the, the problem is the hound throws another one. It lands a few feet in front of the whites, and land being the operative word, so the ice is now thicker again. So the yeah. the, the, the whites then char- charge the... Um, the, the the remaining the remaining heroes so <laughs> a load more red about three more red shirts get killed who didn't appear to have been on camera until it was time for them to die again um well exactly uh, and uh it's it's this desperate sort of fight for survival uh, at one point um Tormund nearly gets dragged into the water and like taken down by this big group and then i did I do still find that even though pretty much all of these guys survive, I did watch this thinking at any moment that almost any of them are going to die because we predicted that a lot of these guys were going to get killed. So yeah. I did feel that tension when there's these these sort of when they are fighting that they really are fighting for their lives. Yeah, and I th- I thought Tormund was was finished here That's- actually. Yeah, me too. Like, I saw him going under, and this was one of the occasions I mentioned earlier on where I was like, if this is really happening, I'm really angry about it. Because <laughs> they'd, like... they'd. I mean, so it would be it would be like a good shocking death and so on, but mm. it just felt out of joint with everything that they've set up and everything that they've been trying to do. Mm. Um, 
So I mean, I, don't, I mean, I'm saying that I don't really know who I would have wanted to die out of, out of all of these. You know, Thoros mm. was was clearly toast. Mm. Um, but nah, yeah, you're right. Like like him going under here was definitely a kind of yeah. moment. Um, but again, like I wasn't buying that the ice is only just refrozen, and I wasn't buying that there wasn't a single zombie that didn't want to give it a try, and I wasn't buying anything <laughs> about this whole setup. So I just wasn't really in it yeah. in order to feel that for sure. You know. Um. One 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 thing that it was a bit of a this is a bit of a classic zombie film trope, but um, the fact that like Tormund gets grabbed by all these zombies and he's sort of all these whites and he's trying to fight them off and it, it's the fact that they're sort of holding him down as he's being pulled into the water that's going to kill him. Yeah. Where yeah. like about a couple of minutes later, a um, a red shirt falls off like the the top of the island into a, yeah. a group of them and he's literally torn apart in seconds <laughs> and it's like yeah. how, how one and not the other um yeah no, tom has got some kind of art like some play armor on underneath his wildling clothes it turns out or maybe he's wearing a wetsuit uh, i don't know yeah, um, <laughs> i love that brilliant a viking wetsuit bring it on yeah, um, but there is there is often a bit of an inconsistency with the whites. Sometimes they like they basically beat you to death, and other times mm. they appear to literally rip you apart or eat you alive. And it feels a bit sort of woolly exactly what they are and what they do. Yeah, um, yeah, no, absolutely. Anyway, just as it's getting to the like the point where you think they can't last much longer, the dragons show up. <laughs> and it's it is epic again as they are like this time three of them start um just flying getting completely turning the tide of the battle looks like it's yeah. all going to go well rather strange like so drogon lands and they all start like jumping on it like a um yeah. like it's sort of the, the, the last <laughs> chopper out of saigon and uh, <laughs> and um for some reason john um he's got a he's got a bit sort of bloodlust happy and he sort of fights his way away from drogon Rather than mm. jumping on the bat, I don't know why he f- thinks that he needs to keep killing these these whites when Drogon yeah, and no, I, seems to have I it didn't handled. Follow that either. Yeah. yeah. Um, meanwhile, it's no time for the Night King to strike. He's uh, he's like pass me the javelin of unbelievable white Walker <laughs> evil, and he gets it. And uh, and then I love this. He walks out. And obviously he's going to throw this thing and kill one of the dragons. And it's it's let let me just put it to start. Say it's amazing when it happens and shocking and yeah, um, yeah, yeah. the way it's done, the way like it hits um, Viserion and yeah. sort of the wound bursts in like it's like fire like flows out of the wind. And then it turns into this absolute sort of waterfall of blood as the uh, yeah. as the dragon sort of crashes out of the sky and then. Like falls into the uh, under the ice into the lake, all yeah, amazing. Yeah. Yeah, um, yeah. The one thing I will say about it though is also he sort of gets the javelin, he looks out, Drogon's sitting there, sitting target with all the sort of people trying to get rescued, trying to climb onto it. Yeah, and he sort of winds up, and then he sees the one in the air. And I, I almost imagine like a guy next to him saying, "All oh, right, you're gonna hit, you're gonna hit the one on the ground, sort of stationary target. It's good thinking." And he just goes. <laughs> No, no, no! Check this. I'm just showing off. Because moving target <laughs> launches it at that one instead. Because that's amazing. Yeah. So we, what we're doing here is we're pitching the Knights King as secret douche bro. 
<laughs> like, hold my beer. I'm gonna. I've already <laughs> yeah. taken out that guy. I'm gonna take out the other one as well. Hey, check yeah. me out. Hey, ladies, you watching? You watching? You watching? Frozen lady, frozen lady, <laughs> frozen lady. You're okay. Let's go. Yeah, I just think the, the the big tactical error here on the Night King part is down to some little sort of sycophantic like. Uh, uh, white walker next to him who just says yeah yeah g- good idea because Drogon's a stationary target so that'll be easier to hit and he's gone easier yeah I say hold my beer and it's like <laughs> <laughs> he's like does it say does it say the knight's king brackets easier close brackets on the back of my personalised rhinestone <laughs> denim jacket no it doesn't just says the knight's king doesn't it stand back Javelin. yeah king of swagger is what he is as well king of swagger <laughs> <laughs> um, so yeah so so then um, because John has, has fought his way away from the dragon he he gets pulled into the water uh, so um Daenerys has to has to leave with Drogon and the rest of the group, leaving Jon to what seems to be a, a fate worse than death. I thought here actually when he did get dragged under, I was like, I genuinely thought that he's going to end up as like just some kind of white now for the zombie for, for the for the Night's King. I um, so did I, and I was so angry about that. I was like, you can't do this entire storyline for him to do go on a stupid mission in a stupid way, and at the end of that stupid mission, make a stupid mistake that involves him getting killed. Yeah. Where none of it has been set up, none of it is part of his character. All of it is just designed to make me sit on the edge of my sofa and wave my hands and go, God, why? Yeah. The contrast between that as an outcome and the Red Wedding as an outcome in terms of storytelling power and force mm. is just would just be like... I, like a better definition of jump the shark I could not possibly have come to yeah. and I did nearly when I thought that was what was happening so I thought the same as you I was like I was I was fit to throw the throw the remote at the screen I really was I think this is um this is quite interesting I think it got to quite a nub of um especially why how much you dislike the the sort of this episode it, I think a lot of it is down to how willing you are to set aside how daft this mission is because yeah. I think if you can, and I, I sort of, I did to, to to a larger extent, I think, than you did, which meant yeah. that when, like, people almost get killed, I was still in a bit of a headspace of, oh, no, I think they're going to die. Whereas I think if you if you, if you just say this mission is so stupid that it's, that it's yeah. robbed me of any real investment in it, then when you get these, oh, no, someone's going to die, your reaction isn't, oh, no, it's, oh, well, this is so much bullshit, <laughs> so, yeah. you know. Yeah. So it's it's you don't get that feeling of tension, more of just, like, anger, that, oh, and this as well. <laughs> yeah, that's exactly it. And, and you know, like, I kind of, I, I, you know, maybe I'm failing this process, maybe I need to engage more with what they're giving me and stuff, but I am, I just feel it's so out of keeping with what they've done to this point. Mm. And... Yeah, it's just it's it's properly winding me up now. Now, admittedly, what I was worried about happening didn't happen, so they haven't made the clanging mistake I thought they were going to. But mm. that limits it to two clanging mistakes in this one episode, and I think that's too many. To be honest. Yeah, and I think it's already a real problem if you you're looking at the prospect of a shocking death, and it isn't the re- the response that you're you're getting isn't. Oh, that'll be a shock, and oh, I wonder where it goes from here. It's that'll be a shock, and it'll, it's just pissing me off. I don't, I'm not invested yeah. in it. Yeah, um, and and the shocks that they've done in the past, like I haven't been happy about it. Obviously, I wanted 
Ned Stark to stay alive and I wanted Rob Stark to stay alive and mm. you know like all of these shocks have been um have been really like I haven't liked them but mm. they've what they did was they said I know what you want and I'm not going to give it to you and that's about the story and the story's going to go somewhere that is that needs this to have happened mm. and I've been so on board with that to this point and mm. and and after this point like I I really want it to get better than this I really want them to start taking it more seriously again but after this point I'm like I'm not sure I trust how steady your hands are with mm. all of this world that you've spent all this time asking me to care about mm. Um, as as Drogon takes off, the um, the Night King throws another javelin, and um, the show off. He's he's got his comeuppance here because he misses. I think Drogon does do this <laughs> mad sort of like barrel roll swerve and just manages to avoid it, which is pretty cool. It almost does for Jorah because Jorah nearly falls off the dragon and um, he just about he'll, clings on. Yeah, um, once again, I don't know whether I would have been angry about that or relieved. Because Jorah can, Jorah can die, you know what I mean? That's just very sad. You know, Daenerys looks down, no! Yeah. John looks up, sees him fall and goes, well, that's all right for me then. You know, <laughs> and, um, sword, yeah. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Um, uh, you know, reasonable, but mm. yeah, no. Um, so so they, they escape, and then um, John survives again. He sort of comes up for air. I, I wonder... I kind of thought here, and I, we haven't really, don't know either way, is the fact that he's effectively undead mean that yeah. he can survive this? Because he's been underwater for a while, Is but he doesn't really need to breathe, he just does it because it's just out of habit, and he's back now because he's one of the undead. Um, yeah. Just a fighter version. I don't know. Um, yeah, I, think, I, do, I, I, I mean, I, that's I get an interesting feeling, question, that, yeah. Yeah, basically him and Beric are harder to kill than normal people because they're not really alive anymore. Yeah. Um, that's the only way I can explain a... it, I think, because otherwise, again, it's just so unlikely that he kicks off two whites that don't need to breathe underwater and kicks his way to the surface and isn't yeah. seen by anyone. Well, and then survives... Mm. having his his clothes soaked and it, so this is another area in which uh, my wife um who has some serious experience of being outside for a long time at like minus 30 and minus 40 and stuff yeah. was like she was far angrier than i was about this episode <laughs> she doesn't get angry at tv episodes but because i'm british and because the coldest thing i would ever experienced before i went to canada for the first time was like minus 10 or something mm. i was like oh yeah seems seems reasonable oh he's gonna be cold for sure but i'm sure he can survive it and mm. she's like no you don't understand if you've fallen in that water through that ice first of all you've got 15 seconds to stay alive mm. so everybody got a long way away inside 15 seconds yeah you? yeah but secondly um his clothes are soaked through that's worse you know yeah. water at least insulates once you're outside it just freezes on you and you can't move he's dead you know like you know, so she would like. I see that, and I'm like, oh, I wonder if you can pull through. He's in a bad way, and to her, it's like seeing somebody whose head's already been cut off. She's yeah. like, oh, he's dead. I think. I think the fact that yeah, when when he's um like they, they get him on the boat or they get him into wherever they are like to try and like check he's okay, and they open up his clothes, they sort of crack, don't they? Because they're basically ice. And I was wondering if that was to show that yeah, the only reason he survived this is because he isn't alive in the true sense anymore and i think that's the only way you can really explain it because yeah it's so um yeah otherwise it's it's just like a daft one of those like daft films where people survive yeah. in, in impossible odds it, it is oh matt that's such a that's such a perfect comparison to draw and i haven't even thought of it like it's 
I shudder to say it because the production values are so high and they've taken such care over it, but really, either either he is a fire-based undead person and that's why he stays alive, or it's all gone a bit Sharknado, hasn't it? Mm. It's all gone a bit snakes on a plane. <laughs> and that is, while hilarious, not a place I would want this TV series to go. I have Sharknado for that. Yeah. I'm, I'm, willing, I'm willing to give it the benefit of the doubt because he is, you know, if this was some guy who hadn't come back from the dead, then I think we'd have a, yeah, there'd be nowhere else to go with it, would there? Um, yeah, no, you're absolutely right. Yeah. So, so, so he gets out of the water, and all like the the whites turn around and see him, and I thought for a split second I saw that scene in Shaun of the Dead where like either pretend to be zombies and they all like ignore them, <laughs> and I was just wondering if that was going to happen. John was going to start going ooh, and they all just carried on. <laughs> but uh, no, no such luck. Um, the oh, that's a shame. And they're not going to get the vinyl out and use it as weaponry either, are they? <laughs> Crying shame. No. Crying shame. So, so it looks like he's going to be killed by, uh, by uh, whites anyway, and then suddenly, from out of nowhere, Benjamin Stark rides to the rescue. Um, Does he? Cool Benjamin turns up with uh, with his uh, <laughs> with his fire um, swingy thing, um, <laughs> his fire whip, whatever it is, um, and he does the he he do, he literally does. And um, uh, Oliver said this. He, he literally does the. Bride and uh, Brendan Blackfish. There are too many characters. It's too late for me now because he puts John on yeah. the horse. He's got all the time in the world to jump on the horse as well and like and make a run for it. And he just goes, yeah. "There's no time." Slaps the horse on the ass. Turns round. Spends a good sort of ten seconds, which he could have spent getting away, lighting up his uh, his thing again, and then yeah. he's killed. Felt like yeah. um, it. It didn't fit. Didn't that, this didn't sort of um, didn't really connect with me as a like a tragic yeah, death or anything because it felt a bit dumb. Yeah, well, it felt certainly coming at the end of this episode where I really was already at the end of my tether. Being asked to care about this was an enormous shame mm. because I didn't. And um, Benjamin Stark is one of my favourite minor characters, and to see him dispatched in this way really wound me up. Mm. And so, what it, Rick, you're absolutely right. What it is is. Blackfish 2, fishier than ever. It's just, it's just, it's not right, and it doesn't work, and he should have jumped on, and, you know, like... Yeah. Yeah, yeah. I was hoping for undead Lannister Guardsman to turn up, just, just to say to the Night's King, the Night's King, what happened, and what happened to Benjamin's Dark? He was overcome, my lord. <laughs> yeah, exactly. He yeah. was overcome, my lord. I suppose it at least seemed like he, he took, about, took out about two whites before he got overcome as well, which, which felt like a well, poor, um, yeah, a poor, a poor return for him. For sure. yeah, yeah. But also, like, wasn't the whole thing about Benjen that, I mean, so they haven't really established him as cold hands or not cold hands in the TV series. We sort of He fulfills that role, certainly, because there was no other way that Sam and Gilly were getting out of the north hmm. um, in the TV series, uh, but wasn't the whole thing that he couldn't cross the wall because there was something supernatural that had happened that had kept him both alive and yet somehow not a white? Hmm. So, what are they doing to him there? Like, hasn't he fought them again and again and again and survived every time? Yeah, I assume he can still be torn apart, though. I assume that's what they did. I mean, no, that's true. Yeah, that's the, the Route 1 route approach one, yeah. to dealing with somebody. <laughs> They've got that in their armoury, the uh, the Whites. So yeah, they have, that's true. Yeah, uh, Yeah. so John gets back just in time 
um, to get a place on the boat as they as they're returning. So Daenerys is looking yeah. out over the wall. Quite a nice um, uh, sort of uh, mirror here, where Daenerys, when she was in the House of the Undying in season two, one of the mm-hmm. visions she had was standing at top of the wall, looking out over the uh, looking out yeah, over the, yeah. the sort of north of the wall, and she does that here. Um, and it starts to pay off, Matt. It starts to pay hey. off. <laughs> Still waiting for Quaithe to make an appearance, though. Oh, don't. don't. <laughs> <laughs> sorry, sorry. I had to torment you with it. I, I had to. <laughs> um, so, then back at Winterfell, Sansa wants to recover this scroll because she's worried about it being um, given to the Northern Lords. So she goes into Arya's room. She doesn't find the scroll, but she does find a load of um, Arya's faces. Including one, I think that's Walder Frey. And Aya, yeah. Aya turns up and sort of says, again, questions her loyalty, basically questions Sansa's loyalty again, um, yeah. and says the same, basically, the, you know, don't betray John or I'll kill, kill you line again. She says, I could kill you and take your face and pretend to be you. Uh, advances on her with, with the knife all creepily and then gives her the yeah. knife and leaves. Um Again, I'm not really sure what to make of this Sansaraya no. stuff at the moment. No, me neither. And 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 yeah, it, this. I mean, my as you've been able to tell, I'm sure my frustration with this whole dynamic has been leaching in throughout this podcast. But it was this scene that really cla- like uh, crystallised it for me, mm. where I was like, wh- "Why is this?" I mean, is the whole point of Arya having had such a horrifying experience and Sansa having had such a horrifying experience that it makes both of them absolutely no deeper and exactly as vindictive towards each other as they were all those seasons ago in order to build up to a fraternal, you know, um, fight inside Winterfell after Mm. all they've been through to get to this point? Is Mm. this literally they're going to be stupid enough to do this? And what it felt like was being dumped back to the first two series where people were always doing self-serving shit like this in a way that was damaging to the greater good and mm. was supposed to be and was supposed to be frustrating and it was all setting up what could happen and if the point of this is just to reiterate doesn't matter if you've liked them for seven series everyone in this series is still a wanker <laughs> then i'm not sure what the narrative purpose of that is yeah um and i'm not i'm not sure what they expect or or want to achieve by doing it mm. also since when did Arya have to carry all these faces around with her like she's an extra for Mission Impossible <laughs> like like since when did she, I thought the whole point was that it was weird and it was it, you know when they get taken off they don't look like cheap rubber masks do they they look like kind of you know interesting kind of you know spider webby kind of things that you just sort of pull off in this very delicate filigree kind of a way if she's having to travel around with essentially a filofax full of people that she's killed, I find that impractical and unlikely. <laughs> well, I, I thought that made sense because the um, the place where the faceless men are based, um, they they have a room full of these masks, these faces, don't they? So if she's going to do it on the road, I assume she carries the faces around with her. Yeah, but what? I mean, in case she needs to be Walder Frey again. Yeah, why not? Yeah, a good, good point. Yeah, what, why? Why would she need to be warned for it? <laughs> she just got, just kept it for a laugh. Like ne- the next party, like she's just going to turn up as Walder Frey because it's a great costume. <laughs> <laughs> Psych. <laughs> um, we then go onto this boat on the way back to um, back to Dragonstone. We have this scene between John and Daenerys. Nice sort of moment of sort of fragility from Daenerys as she actually cries in front of John. Um, about yeah. the, so the death of uh, the death of Viserion, 
and um, they have this talk. Daenerys says that you know she doesn't regret going up there because now she <clears throat> fully understands the threat, and she's uh, she's going to help in any way she can. Um, yeah. And John says and that was that, the point, wasn't it? Yeah, and John the point of this whole thing. Sorry. Yeah, and and John says that he'll bend the knee, that um, he will be subservient to her. Um, so again, a big sort of plot movement there. Um, yeah. What did you make of this exchange? Um, I mean, I thought, well, there's, I mean, so there is this layer of they're definitely related. Stop asking us to invest in a romance between these two people. Like, I really, I really question the purpose of this storyline if it's to get us all okay with cousins marrying cousins again, because <laughs> um, that that does not work out well. Um, but. Um, uh, but apart from leaving that aside as much as I can, um, I thought it was interesting. I liked seeing all of his wounds and mm. being reminded of, of what he's been through. Um, and I liked seeing her fragile because she needs to do that, like like that, in the same ways we see his fragility lying in bed, you know, next to dead. Mm. Seeing her fragility, realising the kind of cost of this uh, all over again um, was a good moment. Mm. Um I'm not sure what's happened to convince him of the need to kneel. Not sure about that at all. Unless the the sheer presence of her with dragons against all of these ice-based bads is has has made him remember what kingship the kingship of the realm of Westeros is for. Mm. Yeah, I, I think I think, I think that's that. probably it. Yeah, and yeah, also the, the, there's I mean, that, that conversation with 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 Tormund at the start about his his pride as well. And maybe the fact yeah. that oh, that's solid, yeah, okay, yeah, and maybe the fact that yeah, when he was up against it completely, and when it was looking like it was all finished, she did step up and, you know, yeah. put basically put her, you know, herself and her um, dragons on the line to save yeah. the rest of the kingdom. So, I suppose he's proved to her that what he's saying is true, and she's sort of yeah. proved herself to him about you know showing how she is this kind of person who will protect the the realm properly as well true and well and and but here's an interesting thing um uh which is related to this is a huge political misstep on john's part to still be on the way to dragonstone when he should have got dropped off at winterfell you know what i mean like no matter whether he's weak no matter whether he's been torn to shreds continuing to hang out with the dragon queen instead of going back to his his kingdom still at this point Hmm. um like why the hell why the hell has the default been for him to go to dragonstone that doesn't make mm. any sense at all yeah. and that's that's very troubling to me because like he just seems to have been like yeah yeah no I'm with you now sod those other lords so, something know? yeah i mean th- i suppose there's this meeting that's been set up hasn't there between the, the the whole point is for them to get the white to go meet cersei so that's why he's still over there but that oh, does okay. oh, yeah right fair enough yeah. but 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 not i still think yeah regardless yeah maybe maybe looking on your kingdom on the way back <laughs> yeah but, maybe just check in all right yeah. that's how we're getting on we're we right are we but, are but, you being weird is she great great but also Brand got anything important he needs to say to me also that's um that does raise questions about this scroll that sansa got whether she did she is this just an ex did she really get a scroll because why would Cersei be summoning her down there when the whole sort of the whole conversation that Tyrion's had with um, with Jamie is we're going to come over. There's the king in the north, and there's Daenerys, 
and there's you and we'll all get together and we'll look at this why and then they will decide what to do from there so there's so the yeah. north's already represented by the king in the north so why do they need Sansa down there as well I wonder if yeah. that's actually just been engineered by either Sansa or maybe maybe Littlefinger's planted it um, and there isn't actually a request it's just an excuse to get Brienne out of the way um, but anyway um, the, the, the final the final scene back north of the wall and uh, the Night's King's put putting these bastards to work you know the ones who didn't <laughs> didn't end up fighting um and didn't manage to kill anybody because they're useless these wise is yeah. uh, they, they sat them all down he said right i've tallied it up and for all the many hundreds let's say thousands of you lot that are around and my careful plan here to ambush these guys there were seven of them plus red shirts and the final score is Loads of whites dead. Quite a few of my White Walker lads. And for that, we got a dragon. And you're not having him because I shot the bastard myself. <laughs> Numerous red shirts that, as we know, like peasants, count only in the event of a tie. And, and, <laughs> and one elderly priest. So get those fucking chains out and get to work. <laughs> <laughs> one elderly priest whose liver isn't even really got very much... Very yeah. much eating on it. Yeah, I can't, I like the idea of the Night King as this sort of evil genius surrounded by idiots. Um, <laughs> <laughs> he is. He's he's Doctor Evil, is what he is. <laughs> Fetch me my dragons. Yeah, but yeah. So they get these massive chains out. Um, people are sweating over the chains. I mean, yeah, where the, where the chains come from? It is. There, yeah. It's a question that you know. It may take a while for them to answer. I'm, I'm quite They're willing not going to answer it, ones. are they, Matt? It's yeah. just there for the image. That's all it is. I mean, from it, the it, smithies that they have in the frozen north where fire kills everybody, they've forged chains. Yeah. Have um, they? It, mm-hmm. it, it, but, I mean, if people are worried about that, then, you know, why aren't people talking about how have they attached these chains to the dragon at the bottom of the lake? Have they got these, like, oh, deep-sea diver whites? very good question. <laughs> yeah. So just, just go with it. They've got these chains, and they pull up the dragon, and... Then the Night's King goes over, sticks his hand on its snout, and it turns into white dragon, zombie dragon, ice dragon. Zombie dragon, right. I was loving that. I'm, I'm really up for that. <laughs> I can't wait to see that. <laughs> well, that's interesting to me, because while there may be a... Um, uh, like, you're definitely supposed to feel... Oh, damn! At the end of this, at the end of this scene. And I was there, I was there. But there is, despite that, there is still a bit of me which is like, hang on, so the whole idea is that the dragons are fire and that the Night's King is ice. So when you put fire and ice together, what you actually get is a small puddle of tepid water. So what, what, what's, what's going to happen there? Like, the dragon, <laughs> what's he going to do? Flame and kill himself? Like, if the dragon's going to... Either the dragon flames and kills himself, which would be hilarious, or the dragon gets into a position where he's badass and he goes Dracarys. We've got to hear the Night's King say Dracarys as well. And um, he's learned Valyrian from somewhere. And, um, uh, and the dragon tries to flame and can't because he's literally made out of ice now. So, mm. uh, but, and those are the only two options I can see. So, and both of those are best played for laughs rather than for drama. <laughs> I can, so, I can, I can what, see what's going to happen. I can see secret option three. He breathes some kind of ice um, that turns people to ice or something like that. I think he'll be basically the mirror of of a dragon now, and whatever hot 
Dragonfire is this ice thing would be colder. I think that would be the obvious thing, surely. Uh, yeah, but I'm giving up making solid calls on what the obvious thing is for yeah. me. <laughs> That's difficult. It, 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 it is a concern for your enjoyment of tom- uh, next week's episode and indeed next season if sort of the resurrection of an ice dragon has your sort of arms crossed and tapping your feet. I'm concerned that it's going to be a slog for the next few next few weeks and years. It's going to take a while for the next season to come out. Um, it is. Oh, have they have they have they said that? Like, are they? Yeah, it's going to be. I think it's going to be 2019. No, don't go. Where are we now? We're 2017, 2019, really? I think. Um. So yeah. So that so ends the episode. Um. The I mean, if we just quickly go through our predictions from last week our team suicide squad we both said Thoris would die <laughs> correctly um, yeah. we both yeah. said various other predictions about the others and um, <laughs> all of them survived um, I was to be I, the one thing one I wanted to pull out was um, Beric was far far more of a badass than I gave him credit for um, yeah, he was absolutely yeah, think- regulating with that fire sword and we haven't really <laughs> I hadn't really seen him as much of a badass before he was all kind of talk um, so that was that was interesting. Um, yeah, uh, that that was interesting, and I think we'd both fallen unconsciously to this position where we were writing him off as basically a grandfather. Yeah, and actually, what he may be a grandfather, but Matt, he is a badass grandpa. <laughs> he where is. he is, we've got to give the him that title. The return of the badass grandpa. <laughs> <laughs> so, um, so, so there we are for for the um, for the penultimate episode in this season. I think this puts a lot of pressure on the the last episode. Um, I think there's Does a lot it? riding on this. I th- I think insofar as where the series goes from here, because this this is as we've discussed, I I really I I've got to be honest. At the end of it, the first watch through, I was like, I really enjoyed that. But when you look at it more closely and you start looking at the details, it's shaky as we've discussed, and <laughs> I, I think it's it's shakier than um, any other. Um, Game of Thrones series has been at this point and I think yeah. a lot is going to depend on how good the last episode is as to how we see this whole season and how we feel about how it's going to wrap up ne- um, when it's finally the final, final season arrives totally and mm. and like of all the TV shows you wouldn't have expected to fumble the ball in this way in mm. Game of Thrones who have sp- spent so much of their time telling a story slowly and doing the slow build mm. Um. Uh, Concerning. Yeah, like I, I, like I really it's, like I wasn't meaning to leave a dramatic pause there. I was just like, "What the fuck's going to happen?" Like yeah. you know, I've watched TV shows jump the shark in the past. Of all the TV shows that I would have thought, like everybody has been waiting to absolutely nail this end of the story. Hmm. Surely it's Game of Thrones, and they're they're screwing it. Yeah. Like, you know, you know, Jamie Lannister dies and this episode takes place over two episodes. You could have done a lot with that. But this plan is just fundamentally bollocks and it will remain so. Well, at least the plan's over. So we've got a chance now to see what happens now. I suppose that there's still part two. Conv- yeah, the, the plan was part one, steal white. Part two, convince Cersei to fight with us. Part three, success. So, um... Yeah, we still got to wait to see what <laughs> yeah, they pull off the rest. Dot dot dot. 
profit. Profit. Like, it's, yeah. I'm not seeing it. I'm not seeing it, Matt. I'm yeah. still not seeing it. And that's my problem, is that they haven't set it up well enough at all. And the problem is that I think this is the fundamental plot dynamic that's supposed to drive the end of the story. Mm. And I don't buy it. Yeah. Well, we shall see if they can convince you to buy it. Um, if they can do the sales... The sales pitch of a lifetime next week. On, uh, I mean, I mean, I mean. Have we have ever we throw in these free steak knives, <laughs> Your Majesty? In a show famous for its cliffhangers, we've never had a cliffhanger quite like this. Can they turn it around in the final episode? Um, tune in next week to find out. Yeah. Until then, I'm Matt. I'm Dave. See you later. Sweet dreams, everybody. <laughs> 